This is Coach G and Coach Anderson, and we would like to welcome you to the I Am Mentally Tough podcast. Welcome to the I Am Mentally Tough podcast. Today we have Coach Dan, who is a certified mental performance consultant, and I'm so happy to have him on the show. We've been followers of each other on social media, so it's great that we finally connected. So Dan, can you please introduce yourself? You have an impressive resume background, and I would love for my listeners to hear some of that. And more of your um, background will be in the show notes, but just go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. Well, thanks, Glad, and thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I go by Coach Dan, and I'm a certified mental performance consultant with the Association for Applied Sports Psychology and also a faculty member at Holy Names University here in Oakland with the Sport and Performance Psychology Department. So really mostly doing those two things that splits up my time when I'm not with family and uh, really like to work with basketball players, but also players of all different sports and mostly around the mental sides of the game. So that's really my focus. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the introduction. So we're going to jump right in. And I think this is a topic that um, I hear a lot of athletes, especially those in middle school and high school talk about a lot and it's pressure. They receive pressure from whether it's their teammates, their parents, their coaches or pressure from themselves. So the first question I would like to ask is that some athletes, they do thrive under pressure and some shy away or or choke under pressure. Let's start by defining what exactly is pressure. Sure. Well, you know, pressure is a construct. It's a human construct. It's something that we add to events and we give meaning to that creates a feeling of stress or anxiety when we're engaging in those events. So if you think about something that's maybe a simple task, like let's say, you know, I asked you to walk on a two by four piece of wood that was on the ground, you would walk on it forwards, backwards, maybe you would hop around, dance on one foot, and all good, no issue there. Now, if we put that two by four, 100 feet in the sky, and I ask you to walk across it, well, now suddenly the same thing would have very, very different meaning to you. This idea would be ridiculous, and you'd feel like, okay, well, I'm not doing that. There's, There's pain involved. So now you've added meaning to the event that now provides this feeling of pressure. So on the one hand, it's a sense that you you can look at pressure as something that's not real, as something that we construct, that we give to an event. But at the same time, we would be foolish to say that pressure is not real because we know there are certain games that feel bigger. There are certain moments that are bigger than others. And if we tried to say, oh, it's not real, it's only in your head, I think we'd be doing a disservice to our athletes. So we want to work with reconstructing pressure, and I'll get to that a little bit later. But really just looking at what pressure is, pressure is this perception of a meaning you add to an event that changes the way you feel about it and adds this sort of stress to it. Oh, awesome. Great definition. Thank you so much, Dan. So my second question is, what does it feel like physically and mentally when a player is under pressure? So in other words, what are the athletes going through? What are they facing when they're under pressure and letting that pressure get to them? Yeah, for sure. It's a good question. We have to know 
what is coming up for us before we deal with it. So you know, physically, you're dealing with an increased heart rate when you have that sense of pressure. You might have sensation like sweaty palms. Some people have a clenched jaw or a feeling of being jittery. Sometimes it rises to the level of some sort of stomach or digestive issues. So there's several different physical manifestations of this stress, this pressure. Uh, mentally, it, it could be things like my thoughts are racing. Um, I'm unable to relax. Uh, I may be easily agitated and I start to experience a sense of self-doubt. So those are a few of the things that an athlete might be going through in those moments of pressure, that feeling of pressure. And so something that may be a simple task with all of those racing thoughts, now they're starting to go through this cognitive overload. And when your mind is racing in a million different places, now suddenly you can't attend to a common task, which you might be able to simply execute otherwise. So we know the mind and the body are connected. When you have that sensation of pressure, it definitely shows up in those physical ways and those mental ways. Yeah, great, great, absolutely. So when an athlete's, it's easy for, well, not very easy, but some coaches and some parents, they could look at their athlete out the floor and saying, well, he's not playing normally because he's so much under pressure. So parents sometimes feel helpless. Sometimes coaches feel helpless as well. So what can parents and or coaches do to help relieve the pressure from their athletes? What are some tips that you could um tell my followers, or not followers, listeners, about what they can do to help their athlete relieve that pressure. For sure. And I think there's a lot there. I think we know that parents oftentimes want to coach their kids in the content of the sport. And we find time and time again that that's not really the best role for the parent. For us, we really feel like the parent is best suited to teach and coach life skills associated with the sport. So how was your teamwork? You know, what was your attitude in response to something your coach told you? Really focusing on those areas as opposed to being the one to say, you know, shoot from the sideline or telling a, a son or daughter yes. what to do in that moment. It's really, really important because that's just going to add to that pressure. Another thing for a parent is really, it's a parenting thing, is making sure you're establishing a foundation of love and support that I love you no matter what. No matter what happens mm -hmm. between the lines today, that I love you unconditionally. Uh, one of the things we talk to parents about doing is saying, I love watching you play. And just so that your child knows that you love seeing them out there, regardless of what the outcome is, I love watching you play. Um, I also yeah. think- And let me cut you off if you don't no, mind. I'm sorry. No, please. Being that we're on the topic of parents, what are some things that parents should not say to an athlete after a game or before the game to help them, you know, with that pressure. But what are some big no-nos that the parents probably think they're helping, but they're really not helping. Right. Yeah. I think as parents, we want to manage so much that we probably get in the way. I always talk about the fifth quarter, you know, if basketball game is four quarters. The fifth quarter is the ride home. And the ride home is not the time to be talking about the game. If your child brings it up, then great, get into it. But otherwise it's like, what do you want to eat? What do you want to do later? You know, what do you want to listen to right now? That fifth quarter, the ride home, it's just not about the game. So many times the kid doesn't want to talk about it. And maybe later on, you can get into it. At that point in time, it's just leave it alone. Um, and I do think definitely yeah. during a game, avoiding the coaching, the tactics and all of that, 
Um, also think, and I think it's really important that we vet as parents, so we vet and, and select the right program for our kids. So we not send them to a program that we feel like is, you know, win or nothing and, and sort of this attitude of like, we have to win at all costs. So I think our selection of the right program is really important. And then within the context of the program they're in to make sure that we're advocating for them for things that are within reason that, that may help them. Excellent. Thank you so much. And um, I know <clears throat> my first question was a two-part question. And I asked about coaches. What can coaches do to help their athletes relieve some of that pressure? Yeah, coaches are, are a huge piece of this. And so I think about three different things that, that coaches might do in this situation. So one is, is building a relationship and building a relationship based in trust with your, with your athletes is, is so key there because if they feel safe around you and they feel like you care about them beyond the sport, then they're gonna be more willing to play making mistakes and they're gonna be more right. willing to go for it in situations that may be filled with pressure for them. And that's how to do that. That's, you know, a whole conversation as well. Building a relationship, building trust. It takes authentic care. It takes consistency in how you yeah. act. And it takes competency in what you're doing. Um, in addition, you want to create an environment where being free to make mistakes is constant. And that kids feel like, okay, there's pressure here, but I'm good. If I make a mistake, I'm good. My coach has my back. My teammates have my back. And I think that's an environment that the coach creates. We talk about building culture. It's really, what are you doing on a day-to-day -day basis to help your athletes feel comfortable in that situation? Yeah. Um, and then the last thing is, how do you model behavior as a coach when you're in duress, when you're in a stressful situation? Like, are you that coach who's like flailing your arms and wilding all over the place? Are you like freaking out in the huddle? Or are you able to be the calmest person in the room? And I think when you're able to model the behavior you want from your players, they will hopefully follow suit. Maybe not all the time, but, but much of the time. Oh, that's great. And I wish I, I know I am going to take that clip and send it out to all the coaches that I know because they need that tip. They need to realize that they need to model that behavior. And so what are your thoughts on when an athlete's in the game and they make a mistake and the first thing that a coach is do is just yank them out of, the, out of the game. Is there a situation where that's good that they do that? Or do you feel like coaches should be able to let the athlete play through that mistake and allow them to, allow them to stay in the game a little bit more instead of as soon as that person makes a mistake, the first thing you do is just yank them out? Yeah, that's a great question. I think like many things, it depends. It depends on the situation. And I think we often play you know, Monday morning quarterback, or, you know, we play, you know, the know-it-alls from afar when we don't know what's been going on in practices right. and in huddles. We don't know, you know, if a player turks a shirt and shot, he misses that shot. We don't know if they've discussed at length what a good shot is and what a bad shot is vis-a-vis -vis that particular shot. You know, yep. we may just see, oh, he missed a shot. He got yanked out. The coach doesn't let him play through mistakes. What we yeah. haven't seen is maybe film sessions and huddles and conversations they've had about you're not supposed to take this particular shot for this reason right yep and so i yep. think yep. There's, oh that's great yep there's that sort of knowledge we don't always know fully what the context is but 
from a general sense, I would say you want to let players play through some level of mistakes. Some mistakes are effort and energy related. Like I didn't hustle for a loose ball. You know, I didn't box out. Those are controllable. When something is like a missed shot, if it was a good shot, I wouldn't yank a player. I wouldn't recommend yanking a player. Right. If a shot is a good shot, then you have to be willing to live with the results. And if you're pulling a player yep. right after they miss a shot and it's an agreed upon good shot, then I think you're you're setting them up for more pressure. You're not relieving them of the pressure. Yeah. You're adding pressure to them. So that's kind of what I would say about the yeah. yanking. I like yeah. that. I like your perspective. Yep. <clears throat> I like that on both ends. You know, we don't know that during a timeout, the coach said, hey, I want you to pass it to number 12 and you go in and you pass it to number five. Yeah, you're getting yanked out because you didn't follow directions. We wanted a certain play and you purposely did not, you know, go ahead and follow the play. So, yep, I, I completely agree with you on that one. So we, we talked about pressure, you know, what it is, how parents can help. So let's go and focus to the athlete. What are some of the strategies that you teach to your athletes to help them relieve pressure and how can the athlete effectively implement those strategies to help them perform under pressure, whether it's on the court, off the court, in practice, how can they effectively implement those strategies that you teach? It's, it's a great question. It's, it's really valuable to think about it, I think from three different perspectives. So before we get into, you know, I feel pressure, let's first work on reconstructing pressure, right? And so I work with athletes a lot on this idea of athletic identity. And a lot of times kids come up and they start to play competitive sport before they're really able to understand the impact it has on their identity. And they start to play with a scoreboard and they win and lose and they take that on and they start to say, okay, I am a basketball player and they define themselves by their sport. And, you know, it took me years later for someone to come over and say, you are not your sport. You are a human being. You choose to play a sport for fun. You're not defined by your sport results. And, and this person went on and, and it was honestly, it was a life-changing moment. He said to me, he said, there's not a tiger on the other side of the gym that's let out of a cage that will be sent to eat you if you go 0 for 10 tonight. There's just not, you will go home. Your parents will love you. There will be food on the table. You are safe. There is a psychological yeah. safety that sometimes players lose and then they start to feel their whole identity wrapped up in how they perform. Well, guess what? When they do that, there's going to be a sense of great pressure. And so my thing is like, let's start by stripping away some of that pressure and figure out where your sport yeah. lives within the overall context of your life. Like you're a son, you're a daughter, you're a student, you're a grandchild, you're a gamer, you're, you play the old, whatever it is, yep. you do many things in your life that make up who you are. Mm -hmm. yep. So let's keep that in mind when we talk about pressure, you're playing a game. Yeah. Okay. At the end As of the day, it's a game. It's a game. <laughs> It's a game. We have to remember that. Now, sometimes there's livelihoods at stake. Sometimes it's like a scholarship at stake. Yeah. And there yeah. is significance to that. I can't belittle that. I can't say it's not real because it is real. Yeah. But we have to put it in the proper perspective. You are not your sport. You're a yeah. human being who chooses to play a sport for fun. And let's yeah, start I there. Yeah, I normally tell my athletes, basketball is what you do. It's not who you are. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I think we need to remind them over and over again 
because so much of the time that's not been the messaging so much of the time it's like this crushing weight of expectations and what you should do as a player and all of that it could be really really important to you we're not suggesting that you care less about the game you're going to put your blood sweat and tears into the game we are suggesting that you put it in the right perspective because when you do that you're then free you're free to fail you're free to make mistakes and that freedom will allow you to play with some less pressure you'll probably play better yeah so yeah so that's a long-winded way uh, of saying the first (laughs) one so so for me there's three things reconstruct reframe and release that was reconstruct we want to reconstruct this idea of Mm -hmm. pressure right when i talk about reframing you know think about it as how can you change the way you see pressure right like i know you've mentioned this uh, quote pressure is a privilege right and this idea that you know having pressure is something not everyone gets to have. Can you look at pressure differently as something I get to have pressure? Like we don't have pressure in the morning when we have to go brush our teeth. You know, pressure is your body's way of telling you that something important is going to happen. So can I reframe or change the way I look at pressure so that I, oh, I feel pressure. Like I'm not nervous, I'm excited. I like this. Yeah. Right. And so that's the second R is like, I'm going to reframe pressure. And then lastly is release. And and truth be told, Gladden, this is for me, the gold standard of working with stress and working with this idea of pressure, which is really a mindfulness approach. Okay. And, And the feeling of pressure is going to be one of many feelings you have, right? You're going to feel worried. You're going to feel excitement. You're going to feel joy. You're going to feel pain. All of it is part of the human experience. So I work with athletes on recognizing your internal experience, mostly by mindfulness meditation. And once you've recognized your inner experience, you can then work with it in a skillful way. You have this awareness of what's going on in your mind so that when I'm at the free throw line and I know all eyes are on me and I know my mind is now going into overdrive, like what if I miss? What if this? What if that? I've already worked with that concept and I can smile and let it go. So really working on releasing thoughts and letting the present moment dictate what I'm thinking about. And and that sounds easy, but it's super hard to do. We have to train that. We have to work on that over and over and over again. Oh, that is great. I I love it all. So it's reconstructive, reframe and release. Reconstruct, reframe and release. Yep. Awesome. That is amazing. And I'm hoping all of my, all of our followers, listeners are listening to this, taking notes and writing it down and can implement this into their um, strategies or into their routines and habits that they um, perform in games and in practice. So I think that was excellent. Um, I think self-awareness is key. I think it's huge for every athlete. Um, and I'm glad that you touched based on that just a tad bit. And you kind of sort of answered my next question about um, the great Billy King wrote a book titled Pressure, Pressure is Privilege. And I love that book. I think I read it three times already. I, I just love how she tells her stories and it's just amazing. So um, what exactly, what does it mean? Can you elaborate even more than what she did by Pressure is a Privilege? Uh, I mean, I think you know, you'll find when you get out of athletics, there are a lot of situations that don't provide that pressure. Like some people, you, know, you get up, you make your breakfast, commute to work, you sit in your cubicle, maybe you, you know, write some emails, fill out some spreadsheets, 
go home, you do it all over again. And maybe at no point in the day did you feel this sense of, well, my heartbeat, like my heart rate is, is up a little bit right now. Oh, like I have sweaty palms. Interesting. You know, none of that. You know, you didn't have this, this home for excitement and the ups and downs of emotions that's involved in sport. Sport provides that amazing life experience, the ups and downs, the roller coaster. And in a sense, you get that when you get to be an athlete. So it's really shifting from, you know, I have to, to I get to, right? I, I don't have to go and be an athlete. I choose to be an athlete. I get to go to the gym and do this. And I get the playing time to be out there. And my coach, I get to take this last second shot. I get to be at the free throw line yeah. right now. Like, this is amazing. So changing that perception of pressure to like opportunity, it's just a way to work with it. It's really a, a way to deal with it in a way you recognize this is awesome. What a, what a great opportunity for me. So I love that quote. I use it all the time. It, to me, it goes with this same idea. Here. You know, when we talk about nervousness, we talk about some of the same things, the sweaty palms, you know, the heart rate, maybe the rumble in the tummy. I feel nervous. Well, when you're excited, what do you feel? When you're super excited for something, heart rate goes up, sweaty palms, maybe my tummy, you know? So when I'm nervous, I'm like, oh, I'm excited, right? Mm -hmm. It takes away some of that sting. It just changes yeah. it, flips it on its head. So I, I would say, you know, what is pressure as a privilege? It's, it's a way of reframing that stress so that it feels differently. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when athletes or even non-athletes, they're in pressure situations, depending how they respond to pressure situations, that kind of helps them for success for the next time they're in a pressure situation. So for me, um, I still work in corporate America as well. And I know in the beginning, um, I would shy away from the big meetings. I would shy away from speaking up and talking and presenting. But now um, I've learned to know that pressure is a privilege, like, wow, I get to stand up and talk in front of the CEO about what our numbers were, how we performed last year. Wow, I get to do this. And so now I look forward to doing it. And that's ha has helped my career tremendously, whether it's being a mental performance coach or it's me continuing working in the corporate America field because it has helped me grow. So when pressure comes, like you said, I have to reframe it. Okay, what is actually going on here? I've been asked to do this. Someone else hasn't been asked to do this. I was chosen to present and um, be in these big meetings. Wow, this is huge. I'm growing. That means other people see me as a leader and I could grow. So is, <laughs> pressure is definitely a privilege. And without it, I don't think I would have grown so much that I've had in the last couple of, past couple of years. So mm -hmm. I definitely love your definition on what pressure is a privilege is. Yes, yeah, no, no, no question. You got to keep in mind, everyone is dealing with their own challenges around pressure. Everyone is worried about how they look and how they're presenting and so yeah. no one is, is is really coming down on you if you make a mistake you're probably thinking that more than it actually exists so I would say just keep that in mind you know be supportive to others and they will be to you and then you know this idea of pressure kind of falls away yeah awesome and so my last question for you is why is it extremely not just important but extremely important for an athlete to work with a mental performance coach? That's a good one. You know, I, I think 
we're, we're at the dawn of a new day. I, I think we've obviously seen how you know, players work on their skills, you do it in the team context. And now, you know, you could throw a basketball in any direction and hit a, a basketball skills trainer. And, you know, there's certainly been for the last 30, 40 years, a wave of, of strength and conditioning. And that's now a regular part of every team in America. And I think it's, it's, now just exploding in the realization that the mind is a place you can train, you can learn to be better mentally. And I think that that's really a shift in the thinking. The thinking has been, if I go to talk to a mental coach or a sports psychologist, it's because something is wrong with me. And the reality is you don't have to be weak or broken to get better. You know, the strongest person in any room still wants to lift weights. So even if you have certain areas of your mental game together, there are other areas to explore. So even if you're a very confident person, well, maybe you don't keep your emotions in check when needed, mm -hmm. right? Maybe you don't do a good job of visualizing your success. Maybe, and just maybe, your self-talk is not productive. So there's a lot of different areas in the mental game that can be trained in a regular comprehensive manner. I think we're now seeing in our sport of basketball, we're seeing it become more acceptable to work with someone in terms of your mental health, but also slowly it's becoming more acceptable to deal with mental performance. Again, how your mind can be serving you when your best is needed. So I think it's it's a vital component. And here's, here's the last thing I'll say about that is that if you ask your players, okay, how mental is basketball? How mental in nature in basketball? You know, what do you think they would say? They'd probably say like at least 50%. When I ask athletes, how mental of a game is basketball? They're like 80% is like 90% mental. It's completely mental. Okay, well, if it's 80% mental, then surely you're training your mind 80% of the time or some of the time, right? How much do you train your mind? And without fail, they're like, uh, sometimes I meditate, uh, probably not much at all, right? Yeah. And so we want to match up how mental a game it is with how much we're using that and we're training that. And so I think it's vital. It's a, a new day. It's a, it's a new frontier that's now becoming more and more acceptable. Um, and I think it's really important that everyone goes and explores that and finds someone to work with. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dan, uh, Coach Dan. Um, let my followers, listeners know, where can we find you on social media? So I'm sure you're on Twitter, you're on uh, Instagram. I'm not sure about Facebook. So just tell us where they can find you. Sure. Well, thanks so much for the opportunity. Really yeah, enjoyable conversation. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Danny Hoops. And I am on Instagram at hoopsminded, also hoopsminded.com. So that's kind of uh, where you'll find me on social. Mm -hmm. Awesome, awesome. And I will put all of your social media handles and website in the show notes. And I hope everyone who's listening can check his Twitter, which I love. You're always putting something out. I'm like, yes, Danny, you're so on point. <laughs> so check you. your check your Twitter out, Instagram, and definitely your website. So again, Danny, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate you taking some time and um, coming on my podcast and I can't wait to get this out so everyone can have a listen. So thank you very much, Dan.
Thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you're an athlete who's looking for a mental performance coach to help you build your mental toughness, then I am the coach you need. Simply contact me via my website at www.iammentallytough.com to set up your free consultation. If you want to learn more tips and strategies about the mental game, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook, username I am mentally tough. Last but not least, if you're located in the Richmond area and you want to work with the best skills and development trainers in the nation, contact Dave Anderson at foundationacademysports.com.